Welcome to Back to the Podcast. I am Dave, and this is Rob sitting right next to me. I'm still here. And now, there's something I wanted to get into here before we get going. Radio names. I'm not really sure if I'm down with Dangerous Dave here, but... <sighs> I like Dave Danger. Or it perfectly. Danger. That's my vote. I'm not really that dangerous, but... Uh, remember, a little knowledge is a dangerous thing. You have lots of knowledge, my friend. That makes you very dangerous. Before we get into our fun topic today, not movie-related... Very fun. Still geeky in pop culture, though. We shall get into our little uh, icebreaker exercise here with the uh, game Hollywood Shuffle, the movie plot game. The opportunity to be a mad director in a mad movie. We draw the cards, the lead, the action, and the twist. And that will form this imaginary movie plot that we get to cast, end it, and title it. Sounds great. So let's take our first card, the lead, Tarzan. (laughs) All right. I'm already not seeing this movie. All right, let's go. Come on. Slays werewolves and zombies. I'm definitely seeing this movie. Never mind. I may have changed my mind. Exactly. This is an easy sell. And the twist with a magical talking bong in in the (laughs) story. Called classic. <laughs> All right, let's start over with that one with a magical talking bong in this stoner cult classic. Oh my gosh! <laughs> so. All right, so we need to cast. We need to cast this. I think we only need to cast Tarzan. Although maybe Tarzan and Jane. Should we do Tarzan and Jane? Nah, let's just do Tarzan. Jane not in this movie. All right. So again, Tarzan slays werewolves and zombies with a magical talking bong in this stoner cult classic. Well, we actually can cast the talking bong. Yes. I know exactly how I want to do this. I want Tarzan to be Tommy Chong, and I want the bong to be done by Cheech Marin. This can be a total Cheech and Chong classic. Just don't know if I want to see Tommy Chong in a loincloth. (laughs) 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 Probably his beard will grow down all the way. Oh, there we go. This can be old stoner Tarzan. Well, you know, I'm quite happy with that casting decision. (laughs) This movie shall feature... Tommy Chong and Cheech Marion. Would that take care of the title already, or, does, or would it just... Tarzan slays werewolves and zombies. No, no, I think we can put a title to this. Cheech and Chong. Cheech and Chong's. Tarzan, werewolf and zombie slayer. That's kind of a long title, but nowadays they do that. How about they slay werewolves and zombies? What if the werewolves are zombies? So, Cheech and Chong's Tarzan versus the werewolf zombies. Yeah, that, that could work. <laughs> That could work. It would be perfect. Perfect. This movie that we're making right now would be perfect for 1983. Well, as a stoner cult classic, sure. Magical talking. Oh, my gosh. We need to end this, too, yeah, right? We need okay, to. so Tarzan is chased by werewolf zombies. The werewolves work with his animal thing, so they, they're going for his brains, but they can become his animal friends and chase him that way. So Tarzan does lots of, of swinging and everything. And where he meets up with the magical talking bomb. <laughs> Uh, who explains how to use a bong to Tarzan, because Tarzan wouldn't know that. And then they go on... Oh, I got it. They go on a magical quest to discover Wolfsbane, which by this bong can actually be smoked. The the, the bong smoke from the Wolfsbane herb to kill the werewolf zombies. What do you think? I'm easy to please, so... I think I would I would enjoy this. I would actually watch this. This is my problem sometimes. I'll see something like Tarzan, be like, not for me. Yeah. And then, and then I 
I read the rest of it, I'm like, ah, well, okay, maybe I would watch that. Yeah. I, I, I try not to knee-jerk reaction anything, but this, this is, I want to see this now. I would, wouldn't mind seeing this. This would be funny. <laughs> there we go. That was fun. That was wait, fun. Can't wait to see what we get next time. Oh, my. Today's topic, I figured, you know, we talked about fan base and movies, and we are doing our Police Academy exploration. So today's show, we were going to do Rob and my top five Nintendo video games. Nintendo Entertainment System, the original the NES. box, the NES, which Dave and I both have fond memories of. Uh, going back, Dave, what was your experience with the NES? When did you first get one, and what was that like? Well, I can tell you my first experience was my mom's friend's house, and they had a Nintendo in the basement. It was probably new, given how old I think I might have been. And there was one game on there that they had that I liked playing. I wish I remembered what it was, because I would like to see this game again, whether it's on YouTube or not. And of course, Mario Brothers. I mean, everybody had Mario Brothers. Pretty came, much what it launched with. Came with the set. So I played Mario Brothers. Never, ever, ever got past the first level. I kept dying, kept dying, kept dying. And I remember the first time when I got to the level, I won. I was excited. Ooh. Ran upstairs. Mom, guess what? I beat the first level. Ah! And I ran back downstairs. <laughs> very nice. My experience with it was when it came out, I wanted it very badly. Problem was we were poor and I really didn't think I had any chance in that. Um, I was living with my brother and my father at the time and my uh, my dad got one and he wasn't very good at hiding things from me. He hid it in the washing machine, which I had no really real reason to be in but I uh, discovered it and I even actually went so far as to get it out of the washing machine, plug it up to the TV and play before Christmas, before he got to wrap it. I feel a little bit bad about that. We had the Atari before that, uh, a lot of games for that, but uh, he got us a Nintendo fairly early on. Uh, I remember the first games we got, Tiger Heli, which was kind of a generic shoot-em-up type game, and Top Gun, as well as Super Mario Brothers that it launched with. So, yeah, I, I remember very clearly the first time that you could move a character around who looked more human, and the controls for Mario were, were really good, and just down the road was a video store, and oh gosh, we, we played a lot of these Nintendo games. It was actually hard coming up with a top five for me, uh, because I played an awful lot of games those summers. So We had a Christmas one year. I'm going to put it somewhere between 90 or 91. Me and my stepbrother woke up to like half the living room was full of presents, Ooh. and we opened them, um, and I remember there was this big cabinet thing. We opened this cabinet, and it was like a Nintendo Entertainment center for like putting the TV on oh, the Nintendo in. With, with the with the rollers on the bottom, the I, cart? I think so, and oh. it had Mario on the door. Those were slick. And that's what we got, but then they're like, well, open the door. So we opened the door, and inside was wrapped Nintendo games filled up in this door. And wow. We just opened one game after another game after another game after another game. And, and of course, you know, we moved on to the other presents. Uh, we had to open that first because I was, quote, the family mm -hmm. one so that, mm -hmm. that's what we did and i would say on my top five i think 
four of those games were in that cabinet. Yeah, there you go. Uh, but yeah, both of us have very fond memories of the NES. It was a great system. Simple enough that anybody could pick it up and start playing just about any game. Didn't require a lot of instructions or things, but they still were able to make some very good games. So uh, we're going to alternate, Dave and I, back and forth. Dave is going to give uh, his number five, then I'll give my number five. We'll talk about them for a bit. And uh, just to prep you, Dave and I have not compared lists. I don't know what Dave's top five are, nor does Dave know what my top five are. And we don't really talk about games nearly as much as we do movies, so this ought to be very interesting, not only for you, the audience, hopefully, but also I will get a chance to learn more about Dave, and Dave will get a chance to learn a little bit more about me. Dave, why don't you start us off? Now, before I list our number five, I think it's very important to say that, yes, we know that these may not be the top five best games of all time through various magazines and publishers or whoever. This is strictly based on our personal experience playing the game and if we had fun. Absolutely. This is not a critical piece. This is our favorite games, just how we feel about them. So Number five was a game that did come in that Nintendo Entertainment Center out of all these games that we got. Mm -hmm. I didn't play it for a very long time because video game overload, you know? Sure. And then eventually I put it in and I had fun with it. It was a fun game. Simple game too, which for me, hey, I was okay with that. North and South. Oh, that is one I've never played. Now, the idea of the game is it's a Civil War game. Really nothing strategy about it. It's a map-based, your Confederate and your Union soldiers. And the only time you ever play the Confederate side is when, you know, your stepbrother picks the, the number Union. two. One. So it's like you're kind of stuck with Confederate. Not that I'd pick them on purpose. But the, the idea of the game was you got the little map and you could either do battles. You could do take over a base, which would be a side-scrolling thing where you had to punch your way through. So were they like mini games for the conflict rather than uh, tactical right layout more so there wasn't really anything tactical it wasn't risk i mean in the style of risk maybe a little bit but at least this game was pretty simplistic uh you had your map with all the the confederate here the union here and then they'd move here move there you rob a train to prevent the other from getting their money to fund their war i imagine you had to buy units not that i remember i do not remember how that worked i think you just you you had what you started with and then you would go to war Uh, when we went to the battle is you got your you got one cannon three horses and then a platoon of people Mm -hmm. and you can have up to three different ones merge so you could have three cannons and double or triple of whatever you got and the same thing with the other side they you know you're looking from a top point of view and then they come in at you and you can't control anybody individually but you can control in individual things like you control the cannon people or the the horses but once you hit attack they go to town and nintendo style ai does their thing i remember i was i lost all my dudes in battle except for one and i had a fair amount of people on on the other side and my one guy took them all out and that was the best memory of that game that i had and the way it worked too is when the old style nintendo games when your character crossed the other side to the other screen he would come back at the starting point on your end so huh. that that's how i ended up winning i ended up dodging the people and, and i took he just out. wrapped around the other side and came back for another run i was so excited and <laughs> i told my stepbrother about it 
it, and he immediately accused me of using the Game Genie in order to accomplish a task like that. <laughs> I'm like, no, no, I didn't, I didn't. But very simple game. It's, it's just a boom-done kind of game. But I had fun with it. I had good memories. Mine sounds like fun. Uh, my number five is really going to be a little self-revealing, but back in the day, I was a huge pro wrestling nerd, a huge WWF fan. Yes, that was WWF back in the day. And even though the WWF games were pretty universally horrible, one game that I had for NES that I really loved was Tecmo World Wrestling. Tecmo World Wrestling, as far as any kind of mechanics to it, it was a lot of button mashing. It had a split screen. The top of the screen was the ring, and you could see the people doing things. On the bottom, it was actually an announcer, a commentator, and he would be delivering commentary describing the moves that were happening, which was pretty funny. You could actually read through that as it was going. And if you hit a big move on your opponent, it would actually show a cutscene where it would show you executing that move in a close-up, kind of like broadcast TV. There were a variety of wrestlers from all around the world. Um, They were mostly patterned off of Japanese wrestlers, of course. It was a Tecmo game. But uh, I just remember it had a wide variety of moves that you didn't see in the WWE very often. They were very graphic, a nice selection of, of moves for the different characters. If you liked different styles, you had different wrestlers that you could try. And ultimately, you had to take on everybody, beat them, and then you got a shot at the champ who could use everybody's moves, and he was much tougher. Played that game over and over again, probably almost as much as any other game that I ever played for the NES. Absolutely loved it. I ended up uh, renting that thing probably about 20, 20 to 30 times over the course of a summer. I just love that game so much. So that's my number five. That, that sounds like fun. My number four is one of those titles that is based off of a film. I'm going with Friday the 13th for the original NES. And back then, when I was a child, I have seen those movies, but I never owned them. And I was only at the mercy of Friday the 13th being on Friday the 13th on Up All Night with either Rhonda Shear and Gilbert Godfrey. Oh, dear Lord. I can't remember which one had the Friday night one, but that's when they would play those movies. And that's when I got to watch them. But I had the video game and the video game is notorious for being a bad game you know (laughs) mechanic wise if you look at it today but the important thing is the fun that I had playing it we played this game a lot and it was the closest thing I could do to getting involved with the movie was actually play this video game get into the characters like I mean there's not much these characters you're just going around the 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 cabin area the the woods grabbing things for quests every now and then Jason pops up and you gotta fight him away you gotta saved the kids in the the cabins and it was fun. I enjoyed it. Played it numerous times and we never beat it but we lasted long and we were trying to complete the task but we never made it that far even with a game genie. A lot of those early NES games even if they had mechanics that today people consider flawed a lot of times what it did was it taught you to value perspective in a game. For instance there's an overworld map with a large road going around the circle around Crystal lake and then there's a couple of paths here and there so you can go along a road and be going off to the right but on the map because the orientation you were in you can actually be traveling to the left that kind of game actually trained your brain to think in terms of the perspective of the character not so much what you're seeing on the screen i did play friday the 13th i did get through it i didn't use game genie though i had nintendo power which i suspect a lot of people used to get through that game it was before the internet so you couldn't just look up how to get through it those 
magazines had the coolest map layouts. They did, ever. absolutely. Full spread glossies, and better yet, they were made by gamers so that they were actually put together well. You could follow them. As far as the story mode, it was interesting. I got through it in a in a day of play. You having to take on Jason's mother, who was a disembodied head, was interesting. It was a weird game, but yeah, all in all, I'm not one of those people who says it's absolutely one of the worst games ever. We're just going to bask in the afterglow of Dave's fond memories of that game. My number four, this one doesn't show up on a lot of people's lists, but I did enjoy it. The game was RC Pro-Am, and I did not usually play racing games. I'm not a car person. I can tell you that my car is red, and it runs. With RC Pro-Am, you got away from the chase view of the car and driving around like you had in games like Rad Racer, and instead, this had some elements almost seeming like role-playing games, where you actually leveled up your vehicle. You improved the sticky tires, the top speed of your engine. You could eventually upgrade your vehicle to a better vehicle, which got you better speed. Of course, you upgraded all of your opponent's vehicles, too, so basically you're graduating up to a higher performance circuit. You had to get past the view. It was an isometric view, so you're looking above at kind of a corner angle from the way the track was arranged. So it took a little while to get used to playing the game. However, I uh, played it just the other day, and the old reflexes still work pretty well. Uh, still a very fun game, and like I said, you get to upgrade your vehicle. Uh, there are weapons, so you have rockets and bombs to hit your enemies with. The tracks are well-designed. Not a huge field of view. It's not like a sprint game, So, uh, but it is one that I recommend if anybody likes uh, kind of abstract racing games. It's a good one. Uh, not a lot of 3D elements to the game, not like, uh, say, uh, Tony Iron Man Stewart's Racing Challenge. Just a nice racing game that's not too involved, and, uh, you know, it's it was pretty forgiving. I, like, I liked it a lot. Uh, got through all the way. Took a long time to perfect those kind of skills, but uh, RC Prime to me was the racing game that I enjoyed the most out of the NES. My number three, A Nightmare in Elm Street. Now, that one I played a lot more than I did Friday the 13th, and I think I had more fun with that one. The concept is, again, you're some teenagers, you're walking around Springwood, they call the town, where uh, Freddy is from, and then you can go in... Some go, houses. Some houses. They do open up once you pass whatever's going on. That I remember. Uh, and then eventually you'll start falling asleep, and you end up in the dream world, where all the things that were coming at you when you're awake all, all have like little Freddy bends to them, where they look Freddy-ish, like Freddy bats, or Freddy worms, or what have you. And then you would go through there, and you might come across Freddy, and when you're in some of these houses, when you get to the end, you, you come across like various boss monsters that are a version of Freddy is something he might have been in one of the movies. And then you could wake yourself up, you find the little radio, the tunes will start playing. If you want to stay awake, you drink the coffee, which is in place of the radio, depending on if you're in the dreamland or if you're in the uh, for real land. It was fun. I had a good time playing that game, more than Friday the 13th, probably because I felt like there was more to do in that one. Even though they're kind of identical. In, in these various houses you'd go through, there were bones, and you had to collect all the different bones because they were Freddy's bones. You had to put them together so you could finish off Freddy for good. Also, when you were dreaming, you actually had weapons. I believe uh, when you were awake, all you were doing was punching things. Yeah, I remember the whole ducking or crouching and punching. Yeah, punching <laughs> punching snakes whoa, and whoa, bats. Whoa, whoa. And in the Nightmare Zone, you have zombies and Frankenstein's <laughs> monsters and all kinds Just, of crazy yeah. horror Halloween-y stuff. Not a very deep game, but a lot of the LGN movie tie-in games were pretty pretty much a formula of using horror themes and you are trying to get to a final conclusion paralleling the, the different movies. So, yeah, the memory, did you ever beat that? I don't think so. Ah. That's another 
another one I never beat, but I still had fun playing it. It didn't phase me at all. I spent so was it all of these multitude of games that you had, you just didn't have enough time to, to, to focus on one? You were always jumping to another one? Is that no, what, what no, got no. you? Like, the ones that I'm talking about are the ones that I focus on the, the most. And and maybe in that time frame, I was trying to figure out a way to beat them, and, and maybe I never did, but mm-hmm. it never stopped the fun. And um, honestly, my number three game probably caused some controllers to be thrown in frustration, at least unless that, that, that was if you didn't have the code. My number three game is Contra by Konami. Oh, I, I know of this game. Oh, Contra was a rather notorious game for being extremely difficult. However, if you knew the Konami code, up, up, down, down, left, right, left, right, B, A, start, uh, that would give you 30 lives. And you needed them often because it was a game where you were a generic action hero with a gun and you were fighting some of the weirdest aliens ever, many of whom look like, you know, some look like humans with, with their own guns. Some of them uh, look like uh, face huggers from the alien movie. The bosses were large and over the top. The game was, as I said, difficult. There were bullets flying all over the place. Enemies would kill you with a single touch. You had no life bar. Uh, one hit kills you. Um, and uh, you, you needed all the lives you could get. You could play two players and that made the game a bit easier. Unless you worked together really well, you could easily be penned up against the side of the screen and uh, lead to some pointless deaths unless you stuck together. Contra was a game that one of the biggest focuses was getting the weapon that suited your playstyle the best, and for most people it was the spread gun. A weapon that with every button press sent out a fan of five bullets flying out and uh, allowed you to cover the about a, you know, a fifth of the screen in a swath of bullets, which uh, made fighting off the smaller opponents much easier. There were lasers and machine guns and fireball guns too, but uh, the spread gun was one everybody really wanted. Uh, The greatest thing I remember about Contra, a few things. Uh, Number one, it had great feeling control. You hit the button, you jumped right there. You could get pinpoint precision on jumps and the shooting all, there was no hesitation. It felt great. It was one of the best feeling action games I've ever played. The scope was big. You felt that by the time you got to the end, you knew that you'd been into a fight. And I had played the game so much that I could actually beat it without using the cheat code. I could actually beat it and and I actually did in front of an audience when I was in high school, only losing one life getting through the entire game. And I was pretty proud of that. It was one of my, my big video game moments of the time. Yeah, it was, it was a good game. Solid. It's been remade a number of times. There have been a lot of spinoffs, but honestly, the original Contra still have a very, very uh, warm spot in my heart for that. You never got to play that, Dave? I did a few times. I don't think it was on the Nintendo. I believe it was at the arcade. I had to look up this game if it was what I was thinking it was, and it was. I see the cover now you got your two army dudes One's looking like Rambo, and the other's looking like Schwarzenegger, I suppose you could say. Yeah, you could say a lot of people said that, actually. And then what caught my attention was the creature in the back. That is definitely a form of the alien from the Alien films. It looked a lot like a xenomorph. They're really, if I remember, I don't remember actually seeing any, that. like I said, there were some aliens yeah. who looked like the facehuggers, but I don't remember seeing anything that really looked like that so much. Yeah. There was one boss that had a head connected to a neck, which was really just oh, separate little balls. I know what and it would fly yeah. around. I think that was the closest thing, but most of the other things weren't. And the final boss, if I remember, it was just a large brain that uh, made a bullet hell screen so that you had to dodge and spend more time dodging than you did shooting. But uh, it was a very, very good game. But it was the, the feel of playing the game. It was one of the most meaty and satisfying action games I've played. And considering that some of the ones for the Nintendo were stinkers, the ones that really did well stood out. My number two is Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 2. Ah, there we go. 
go. I, I was waiting for the two. The Or it was also known as the arcade game. Absolutely. Uh, part two was based on the, the arcade game. It was very popular, and I still can't believe to this day that they released it on the Nintendo format. And we, my stepbrother and I, played that a lot. Uh, it had, the villains were great. You had all the foot soldiers come at you. You had the, the boss battles and very recognizable characters. And some they made up, but whatever. You know, they, they were still cool to beat. I'm sure there's a toy of them somewhere now. I always remember playing that first level at the arcade. But then when we had the Nintendo system, I was able to get beyond the first level. I always picked Raphael. I don't remember who my stepbrother picked, but every now and then I'd do something different. I would pick a different Ninja Turtle. The good memories of that game was me feeling like I was part of the action with the Ninja Turtles. And even though it's hard to believe, games like this, these side-scrolling games, back then you felt like you were part of the action. You got your obstacles, foot soldiers coming in, the kidnapping of April, then you're in the city streets, and then you gotta fight whatever's going on there, and more foot soldiers, and you get your boss battle at the end, and then go to the next level. I wish I could remember all the levels, but I remember that is a game I did beat. Yeah, there were there were some some levels that were better than others. For me, they, it kind of blurs a little bit with Turtles in Time, which yeah. was my favorite arcade uh, turtle game. But the, the original Turtles arcade game, the arcade version was a, was a bit superior because the different Turtles had different lengths to their weapons, which is why I liked Donatello. He had the longest weapon. And the thing with the arcade is discovering which one of the controllers didn't work because yeah. it was rare when they all did. Um, yeah, both cases, they were they were great games. It was a great Nintendo game because you didn't have to spend quarters on it anymore. And you had all the Turtles. The story was, was solid Turtles fun and there was no friendly fire and uh, just spend an afternoon trashing robot ninjas. One of the other things I, I remember that it's a very colorful game too. Oh, mean, yes. There's lots of brights and colors just coming at you and it's it very cartoony which is very fitting for this video game. The Turtles one was done very well and, and like I said even though there were some upgrades with, with later games like Turtle in Time the original still stands very well. It's an excellent arcade game. If you can find one that's in good shape and the controllers still work it's still good. But, uh, back in the day yeah I played that a lot. Well my number two I'm, I'm starting to I've left all of my uh, cool edgy games behind. These are these might be predictable if you know me. Uh, my number two is The Legend of Zelda. It was so popular it even had a rap. You remember the rap in the commercial? Oh, it's The Legend of Zelda and it's really rat. No. Oh, yes I do. Yes. yes. I remember it now. Absolutely. I remember it now. But uh, this to me was one of the great adventure games. It, it, it wasn't a true like role-playing game. It was still very much an action adventure game, but it nailed fantasy elements. Scoring was excellent and it's, it survived well today. I mean, once you get past the, the 8-bit, uh, it's it's preserved in almost every other Zelda game that's ever come the, since. The music? The musical scoring. Yep. Uh, and that anybody can hear that who has any experience with the game and instantly be sucked back into this game. Yeah, still the, the sound is, is hard to compare with anybody else. A classic epic tale of good versus evil. The scope is great. If, if you lose, you know Ganon is going to conquer the world. The, the dungeons were great and staged out well so that you actually had to work to find the dungeons, which was a cool element. Of course, if you had Nintendo Power, it got easier, but uh, yeah, back in the day when you had to bomb every every crack in a rock that you saw and hope that it led to an entrance and burn every single tree that was possible to burn with a candle when you got there just to see if there was another hidden staircase that you didn't know about, it left you wanting to, and that never got boring. The controls were very tight. You learned the timing on stabbing with your sword 
sword. Uh, you learn to value being able to throw your sword and shoot the blade out. Um, the value of blocking. Some enemies made that absolutely essential. It was a great game to teach you multiple elements of gameplay for the Nintendo era that would serve you well in a wide variety of games that came afterwards, especially in terms of exploration, rudimentary combat. It was just a classic game that is the at the root of so many other great games. Even today, people are still making games on RPG Maker, and a lot of the elements from that were basically popularized with games like The Legend of Zelda. Legend of Zelda. My experience with that game is my stepbrother played it a lot. I watched. I enjoyed. I tried it. I didn't understand it, so I never pursued it any further, except for when I got the Wii and you could download classic Nintendo games. That sure. was one of them I did. I still don't really understand it, but that, that music, though, I'll put it in just to listen to the music. Oh, yeah. They made, I remember my stepbrother playing Link 2 or something like that. The gold, remember the one that came sure. with the gold case yep. cartridge? The Legend of Zelda 2 Link's Awakening? Link to the Past? No. no. Well, Link to the Past came a bit afterward. That was for the Super Nintendo. That was, okay. All right. How many did they make for Nintendo? Two? Two. Two, and two for the NES. And it went straight to Super But Nintendo. two was largely a side-scroller. Now that you mentioned that, I vaguely remember that, too. Yes. That was weird, because you had this massively successful initial title, and then they went in such a different direction for the sequel. And that wasn't as popular, although they gave it the gold cartridge. And I do remember opening up that Zelda and seeing that gold. It was like opening up a bar of Willy Wonka's chocolate and seeing the gold ticket inside. And we will cover that movie, too, at some point. Um, <laughs> both of them. But seeing that gold cartridge just made... was For me, it was a big wow moment. So that was cool. Also, it was another game where you learn to value getting better and better stuff. Uh, you start out with the red sword, and then you worked your way up to the white sword, and then you got your way up to the master sword and enjoyed greater damage. You got different rings, which gave you better armor, which let you uh, survive tougher fights. It, there was basic rudimentary RPG stuff there. You're getting more hearts, basically more hit points. No, no, no skills or anything like that. It was still an action adventure game, but uh, again, roots are there solidly. So many games have come after it, borrowing elements from it. How many, how many Zelda games have come out after? There's so many, and surviving in so many. Them. Absolutely, and so many different milieus. You had the first where uh, Ocarina of Time breaching out into three dimensions. Even though I said. I still don't understand the game. I guarantee you that will never stop me from giving it another shot just because I have it on my Nintendo Wii. It's there. and So you've never beaten it? No. Okay. I've never really gotten past the first quick, few. Quick, quick surprise for you. It's just so you, you think you got the most you know, bang for your buck. If you beat it, and it's worth beating it, you get to play it again. But they move the dungeons. Oh, sweet. It gets more complicated. Wow. It's a little harder. I recommend it. Highly recommend it. Wow. You get two games worth of, of gameplay for it. If you, uh, spoiler, if uh, when you enter your name, enter Zelda, and you can go right to the second world. Sweet. Yes, you're welcome. This is a pro tip from Rob. But uh, yeah, Zelda was a was, was a fantastic game, and uh, yes, it was hard to put that at number two as well. I, I kind of wanted to put it at number one. Um, but my personal leanings gave me another one that I put up just above it. So, Dave, what's your number one? Before we get into our 
number one pick of all time, I do believe we shall go through some of our honorable mentions. T- yeah, paring down the list of games we like down to just five is really hard. Uh, I've already languished over which one should be my number one over my number two, and there were some that def- definitely deserve to be mentioned, even if they didn't make the top five. So yeah. Dave, why don't you give us your honorable mentions? Well, I got three of them, and I'm going to be honest, if I didn't beat some of them in my top five, I guarantee you my honorable mentions, I didn't even come close. Oh. But I still had fun. On no particular order, Maniac Mansion. You ever hear of that one? I have. It's an interesting game. You got your characters, again, teenagers, and you got to go rescue somebody in this mansion full of weird alien-looking people. Mm -hmm. I can't describe it because it's like side-scroller, but then when everybody stops to talk, they talk to you, and, you know, the old classic game where their mouths are moving. I think that was a LucasArts title, too. It was. Story-driven. And that's what drew my attention. You see Lucas arts on it you me was thinking star wars what bad could lucas arts or lucas film ever do before you realize howard the duck was part of that so then believe it or not i actually enjoyed back to the future part two and three but we'll just call it part two because mm, as far as i know nobody really ever got to part three <laughs> and it had a unique design to it where you unlike the first game you could call it upon the time machine to go from 1980 55 or 2015 and each one would be slightly different obviously a timeline and you'd come across 50s things or 85 things and the 2015 things the timeline from 1985 was the uh, the Biff Tannen alternate 1985. And then my last honorable mention, Kid Icarus. I had fun playing that game over and over. And it's even on my Nintendo Wii. I play it again and I didn't know the name of this game. I, I had to heavily research it to figure out. I mean, I knew now, but before I got it on the, the Wii, I, I didn't know what it was. I just remembered what I did. And I studied long and hard and eventually I found the title out and I'm like expecting a little more epic name not Kid Icarus and let alone it being what like a little uh cupid character yep essentially good game uh yeah kid icarus definitely makes its way on my honorable mentions i take it from the angle that uh i love the references to greek mythology i'm a huge mythology nerd so yeah uh medusa and athena and a lot of the characters came out of at least uh some some very weak tie-ins to to mythology the angel pit that you control who uh who has to travel through these at the beginning roughly greek uh ruins uh yeah that was a great game liked it a lot it was hard and it was a very big game that took a while to get through but i uh, can't even get past the first level today i i did i did i did back when i was a kid mm -hmm. but not today and a br- brutal password system, too. Those passwords are so long. Uh, when you get to the very end of it, though, and you are all decked out with all the magical stuff, you are totally, totally boss. Uh, I have quite a few uh, uh, honorable mentions. I'll try to get through them very quickly. Uh, ninja Gaiden, very difficult game. One that I'm proud of beating. You're a ninja fighting against the evil to stop the evil demon from coming into the world. Legendarily difficult, and uh, I enjoyed it quite a bit. Russian Attack. Most of mine, I try not to go with uh, arcade ports. Uh, Russian Attack was a fun side-scrolling game where you start off with just a knife, gathering vital weapons along the way. Very hard game, but uh, you know it's one of those ones designed to suck up your quarters. When you could play it at home and not spend those quarters, though, it was a bit of fun. Uh, Golgo 13, the secret 
episode let you play in one of the first really good spy games with action going from even uh, one part where you uh, get a sniper rifle and have to take out a target uh, following clues. Uh, just a very good spy game. Highly recommend it. Uh, Double Dribble is the f- is my favorite basketball game to this day. Still can uh, just pop that game in and play it and, and have a good time. Uh, another Konami title. Dragon Warrior, a good light RPG. Fairly linear. Uh, lots of grinding. That's what stops it from getting my top spot. Wizards and Warriors, uh, another heroic fantasy game. Lots of platforming. Uh, but again, heavy fantasy with you taking on the wizard Malkil. Jackal, which was a driving game. You're in a jeep uh, shooting against uh, evil evil people, uh, taking on tanks and other things. It was a little bit like the game Commando, but you're in a jeep, which was pretty cool. Uh, baseball, uh, the original Nintendo baseball. I always kind of liked that. The teams didn't matter. All of your characters were the same, except for some were left-handed, some were right-handed. Uh, but it was a game that I really enjoyed the mechanics of swinging and when you connected, where you hit the bat on the ball, uh, changed where the ball would go out. I felt that really felt good to me and I enjoyed that game and still play it every once in a while. Finally, Double Dragon, uh, one of the classic beat-em-up games. Uh, one of my favorites. Again, it was on the arcade and done a little bit better on the arcade, but uh, playing at home was very satisfying, though I didn't care for the, the two-player game. Uh, Fazanadu, another fantasy role-playing side-scrolling adventure game. If you liked Zelda 2, Fazanadu was an excellent game that gave you uh, lots of opportunities for upgrading your character and, and beautiful art direction for that game. Good soundtrack as well. The final one, going really deep here in a game you've probably never heard of, Archon, which was fantasy chess, but all your different characters had different ways of moving. The characters were different from one side versus the other. They weren't perfect mirrors, and every time your your units met, they fought in an arena, and you could control the, the unit as a 3D fighting character and fought it out with your enemy and there was strategy on when you the the attacker would have a slight advantage over their normal abilities and if you could fight them on your color square you would get another advantage it was a it was an interesting game and lots of replayability played that one to death so i apologize that there are so many honorable mentions but i do have a lot of fun memories in my nes and uh so if you get a chance to try any of these games i highly recommend them uh all of them are excellent games uh, with very few flaws so, anything else to add to that, Dave? Are you ready for number one? Uh, did we talk about Kid Icarus and their wonderful music to that game, too? Kid Icarus had wonderful music. Um, quirky. Wizard, was it, what's the game called? Wizard and Warriors? Wizards and Warriors. I believe that may have been one of the games that we got in our big Christmas gift of Nintendos. I'm going to guess you didn't beat that one either, because that one was I a hard think, game. I don't think I ever played it. I, oh. I think it was one, I might have put it in, and then died like right away, and be like, okay, enough of this. It's a hard <laughs> game, but I again, if you can get all the way through it, it's a very good game. So, yeah, number... One Nintendo game. Well, number one. Number one for me. I got so many reasons why I like this game and why it, it holds up very positively for me. We all played Super Mario Brothers. It was it was fun. I like it. Well, it's fun. It's great. I mean, yeah, it's, it's a great game. And Super Mario Brothers 3, it was a good game too. What, what else could I be leaving out? Well, my number one spot belongs to Super Mario Brothers 2. The American Super Mario Brothers 2. That is correct. The American Super Mario Brothers 2, which I found odd 
being how different the mechanics of the game was, but things that appealed to me were you could pick four of your characters, Mario and, and Luigi and Princess and is it Toadstool? Toad, yes. Toad. And they all had their unique, well, there was nothing unique about them. They all jumped differently. That I remember. And, and their strength. And I think Mario was the one that was very neutral. Mario was the average guy. Luigi was the one who jumped higher High. than anyone. He'd the kick prince- his legs too, and I, and I would always jump like that, try right. to kick my legs. The princess could hover a little bit. She'd float. And but and she had a tough time picking things up. Yeah, she did. I, I always chose the princess because of the floating thing. And Toad jumped the the, the shortest, shortest, but he could pick pull things, things up, up like, with no problem. Yeah, yeah. So and did the concept of the game, you could pick any of those characters and you start falling down from the door. You land on like the, the green land and you just jump down, pick up an enemy, throw them across the screen. It was a very strange game for anybody whose experiences came from the very first Super Mario. And I am not denying that. <laughs> yeah, it, that, was, it, it was, was It was different, but I liked the quirkiness when you compare it to the original. I liked the color, the designs of everything, the, the gameplay. I liked the opening the doors to all these other rooms that you would end up in. The, How about uh, the night the zones where you could find the all the special one-ups and everything? Yeah, the, the potion. Yep. You get that potion, you smash down, and, and you can open the door, get your uh, mushroom for your health. Mm-hmm. pick up the coins which i do believe was it the coins is how it what determined you to have any um run at the casino thing what was that casino thing oh jeez it's what been ages since i played it but it always seemed like if i did slot the coins, machines, the slot machines yeah. yeah when i seemed to do the 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 coins it seemed like i had more slot machines i don't know what the connection of that was but i never got any lives from that anyways so it's not like it really mattered You'd, there was a rhythm to it i remember that because yeah. i was i was fairly lucky at getting it but um the various versions that they've made since the nintendo have changed up the slot machines just a little bit by adding things or making wilds or whatever so this game i did beat this game i played a lot this was my go-to game when i was sick with quotations when i was sick home from school And I don't know why my stepdad would allow this, but you know, the first half of the day I would have to lay in bed. Mm-hmm. Uh, the second half, I guess I could play Nintendo or watch TV if I want. You you made a miraculous recovery. Yes, I made the miraculous recovery to play Super Mario Brothers two, and that's what I would spend a lot of my time when I was homesick from school. The uh, the worlds I liked all the worlds, the ice world and and some of these other worlds. I don't think they had a giant one. That was part three, but right. but that ice one was a pain in the ass because you would slide everywhere, and then sure. you had whales in that one that you could jump in the water to get to where you're going. You had that key master thing. You know, you'd get the key, and then the, it would shake a little bit, and then you'd come after you. And you, had, you had to use that key to open the door. That was scary. That dude was scary. He was. When the, I was a the, kid. The, the half face yeah. was grinning and chasing you. Yeah, yeah and you you just run to where you're going as fast as you can so he doesn't catch you the desert worlds were great there were some there we was... had to keep jumping so you didn't sink into the sand yes. yeah yes. i remember that and then i think you could even push the sand down the thing i remember about too one of the greatest things was there's so many secrets so many different things you could just try like uh when you're fighting uh birdo the the pink bowed monster that shot eggs out of its mouth you could jump on top of the eggs that it shot and sometimes ride them right off the screen oh yeah and find secret areas that way there were just so 
many different things. And uh, those those potions that could take you to the negative world. Some of those, if you put them in the right spot, they could give you different things that you wouldn't find otherwise. There were so many secrets in that game. Thank you, Nintendo Power. That is the one that I remember the most. I think that was the first Nintendo Power my stepbrother had was the one that had the map layout to Super Mario Brothers too. Yep. Very detailed, very cool. Yeah, it was very cool does. to look at. Who was your favorite character to play? The princess. Princess? I'm sure. not denying it. Yeah, she cool. floated. I didn't care if it took like maybe an extra fraction of a second to pick up a bad guy, but uh, she got me to where I needed to go, and it gave me that little extra oomph if I had to jump over something that was wider than the average hole in the ground, I guess. I always liked Luigi. Uh, even though he was fairly weak, uh, He uh, that extra height came in awfully handy in a lot of situations. Uh, interestingly enough, too, it was one of the first games where you didn't have to save the princess. You could play as her. And instead of Bowser, your enemy was a big toad named Wart, if I remember right. Yep, and I believe all the enemies were essentially carryovers from the video game it was based off of. Yes. And which is very, you know, pretty cool is that some of these characters Characters live on through Mario Brothers games today. Shy Guys, Birdo, uh, there's there's a number of them that uh, that survived past two and kept going. <laughs> yep. So and it and it all uh, spoilers, but it was all a dream. Evidence yeah, that I beat the, it. The ultimate cop. Yeah, okay. Fair, <laughs> fair enough. Fair enough. Um, I always, I always thought it was hilarious that you end up beating the boss by feeding him vegetables. Vegetables pop out and you throw them. That was great. Is that the one where the sound effects are like, wah, wah. I believe so, yes. And then he goes down and wah, 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 wah. Falls off the screen. So, yeah, great one. Mine, a little bit closer to the vest. My number one favorite game for the Nintendo was... Final Fantasy, the very first one. It's more based on uh, the mythology of predestined heroes that fight some sort of ultimate evil. That's a common theme in a lot of storytelling, but also very, very big in Japan, which is why so many Japanese role-playing games go into this. A group of unlikely people come up out of nowhere through bizarre circumstances, usually tied into the final boss, and end up... At grinding and grinding and grinding and grinding and grinding, getting all the powers and, and gear, then finally taking on that ultimate evil. Final Fantasy started the trend. Uh, this was a true role-playing game where you pick your class uh, of the various characters. The stats uh, aren't as significant, but uh, you, you have your choice of different classes. You have the fighter, you have the black belt, you have the thief, you have the white, black, and red mages. Between those, you form a party. You get four people. And immediately you are thrown out into the world to go and buy gear with a little bit of cash that you get. The gear that you take determines, you know, which of your characters is going to be more dominant. Some aren't as dependent on gear. Like your, your wizards are going to be casting their spells more than caring about the gear that they have. Uh, although that is a money sink, getting them the spells they need. And uh, you fight to uh, basically save the world. Uh, there are four elemental orbs that you have to uh, light by defeating the fiends that are devouring their power. Once you've complete defeated the elements, uh, then you uh, go on to fight the final boss. As all the hallmarks of a great role-playing game, you have progression, you have story, which is delivered by dialogue with NPCs, uh, then you've got these big uh, dungeons that you play, 
plow through. This is a game that has been reproduced numerous times and is nearly as beloved by a lot of people as uh, Final Fantasy VII, certainly one of the more popular, or Final Fantasy VI, again, one of the more popular of them. Final Fantasy I is a good game. It's very linear. You complete the dungeons generally in a set pattern, and there's not a lot of variation. You know, basically, if you've beaten it once, you know how the story is going to go. Although I do have uh, Final Fantasy Dawn of Souls, which has 1 and 2 for the Game Boy Advance, and it actually has some reworked dungeons and updated graphics and things, which is a nice touch. I'm currently playing that again. So, but uh, again, it really uh, satisfied my appetite for playing role-playing games in the video game medium. The dungeons were great. You had this epic feel of good against evil again. A huge range of monsters, many of which were patterned from Dungeons & Dragons, which I was also very much into. And tons of different tools and weapons and strategies that you could use to build your ultimate party. Which again, something that's kind of critical in many role-playing games. Really, in my, my experience, got its start for most people with Final Fantasy 1 and only got more convoluted and complicated beyond that but the original story still a great story um, holds up pretty well as, as a as a fun bit of entertainment uh, a little bit on the mindless side these days compared to the complicated storylines and hours and hours of video that you can do from watching a current Final Fantasy game uh, where they almost show you a story rather than let you play it. But, uh, you know, the original is still a great game. And I, like I said, still playing it even to this day, even though I've beaten it a few times. The fans really love those these characters that they've, they've created. Final Fantasy has a huge panoply of uh, characters and personalities and stories um, that, that themselves generally don't cross. Uh, it isn't until we get Final Fantasy thirteen where we actually start getting sequels with we see the characters coming back of Final Fantasy thirteen two or uh, Final Fantasy fantasy 10 and 10 2 that came out i will i will definitely stand firm uh for me final fantasy 1 was my favorite uh there were circumstances i played it with uh, the person who i eventually got to know and is my best friend still a great game love it to death there you go everybody there's our personal top five nes games the the original nes so looking back at it, let's see. You've got two movie tie-in games. What a shock there, huh? <laughs> yeah, you know what's funny? I can't, I can't escape movies. No, no. <laughs> uh, and and uh, me, one of my, my top ones are uh, role-playing games and action-adventures. So, right. yeah, yeah, if you need any kind of insight into our characters, this is the Rorschach pattern that you can look at. You can tell that from my Nintendo list, there was no Star Wars game that I put on here for various reasons. <laughs> I honestly never did play a, a Star Wars game for the NES, so I really have no input on yeah, that. They were now, if we good. get to the Super NES... Oh, that's a different list. Those had I, those had some good Star Wars games. They had some good Star Wars games. you ever have a Sega Genesis? I did not, but I have oh. played it with others. Okay, because I had one of those, and that's probably what ate up some of my um, top five here, is I was able to alternate between that and the Sega. I've yeah. only played a handful of games. I, I wouldn't, uh, at least on the original console, I'm not yeah. saying that I haven't found a few on the uh, computer that uh... Super Nintendo, um, and I think I think that's why we got all those games for that Christmas. The Super Nintendo was coming out. Oh, probably, probably had some closeouts and so clearances. Probably. I mean, these were. <laughs> I still can't comprehend getting these games back then, but but we but we did. Well, half of them we didn't even play, but, you know, that's life when you get Nintendo games or video games like that. And now, of course, you can go out and you can spend $60 and you can get the Nintendo NES Classic and get several of these games on a little plastic box with an emulator built into it that looks 
kind of like a dwarf version of the yeah. NES. So yeah, if you ever have a chance to play some of these games, though, uh, you know, at least at least at least give them a shot. It might uh, let you feel the way we felt when we were in our smaller bodies in front of our parents' TVs playing these games. Oh, like literally right in front of the TVs because the cords didn't go that far. Right. Well, the NES Classics cords didn't go that far either. Well, this has been Back to the Podcast featuring me, Dave, and then Rob over there. And I don't think we're going to jump to what our next topic will be because that's subject to change. How are you on those Police Academy movies? Getting there. Getting there. Getting getting there. Getting there. So until next time, tune in because we don't know what the topic will be. But I'm pretty sure it'll be fun. We'll leave it as a surprise for Back to the Podcast.